So you're about to hear the incredible story of how Valerie went from an idea for a business into launching a company that was listed on the Inc. 5000. Valerie's company has gone on to be one of the fastest growing companies in the USA. So as you'll hear in the interview, Valerie was working as a personal assistant and then had this amazing idea to launch a SaaS product, a software as a service product that matched business owners and entrepreneurs with a team of remote virtual assistants to be working around the clock for them. So I think many people, just like Valerie, are in a similar situation where they have a business idea on how to solve a problem in the industry that they are working in, but to actually go and get software developers to build the tech product or the SaaS product is something that would usually cost millions which is something that most of us don't have, right? Nor do we have the time to wait around for 12 to 18 months for a team of developers to build the product. Well, thanks to technology, this is no longer the case. If you have a business idea and you don't want to spend millions of dollars and 18 months of time building and launching an idea into a product, then reach out to me and I'll help you build that product in just six weeks and at a fraction of the cost. I'll link my portfolio below, which has a snapshot of some of the builds I've done and some of my contact details. So feel free to reach out and I'd love to help you launch your business idea or at least point you in the direction of a development agency that could help you launch your idea. So that's definitely enough from me. I'll kick it over to the podcast recording so you can hear Valerie's awesome story of how she launched her company. Okay, so today I have the pleasure of chatting with Valerie Traponsky. Valerie has a decade of experience working as an assistant and chief of staff to celebrities and entrepreneurs. Valerie used her experience to found the company Chatterboss a company that personally pairs and onboards VAs with entrepreneurs. Valerie has also authored the book Delegation Nation, how entrepreneurs and assistants can thrive together in a remote world. So welcome to the podcast, Valerie. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. So I thought I would kick things off. Um, I have a load of questions that I'd I'd love to dive into because you have a load of experience in a ton of different areas, but I wanted to kick things off by going into the story of Chatterboss. So for I guess for people that aren't familiar with Chatterboss, how would you describe Chatterboss to them? So Chatterboss is, I would call it a one-stop delegation shop, essentially. What we do is we guide entrepreneurs and business owners into delegation success by pairing them to a dedicated assistant team. Um, So we have a multi-assistant model. We get you right away paired uh, with a team of at least two individuals that start supporting you and start taking in the, the tasks and the projects, that administrative burden that you have. 
And then we, what we also do is we give you a delegation coach, like a relationship manager, uh, somebody that is going to be trained in being able to identify where are kind of the delegation blind spots that you might have, how you can improve relationships with your teams. And then from there, we also have our specialists. So on our team, we have over 50 specialists that do things like copywriting and design work and editing and things like that. So you get a team of generalists that are there to support you and you have access to our specialists as well. It's a, it's a very cool idea. Like I know, yeah, a lot of people, you know, they struggle with delegating and, and finding virtual assistants. I know, yeah. So I think it's it's pretty awesome. Like I know my brother's going through that at the moment, trying to uh, find a good personal assistant as well. But yeah, I guess for those people who maybe struggle with delegating and they're, they're trying to figure that out, what would be your advice to them uh, if they were saying, should I get a VA or should I not get a VA? So in today's world, I we don't really have a choice about delegating or not. Should we get an assistant or not? I think that we are kind of beyond that level of operating. And what we know about entrepreneurs and executives and business owners who delegate, they outperform those who do not. And so what that means is that if you are somebody who has a business or you are an executive inside of a company and you don't have an assistant, then you don't have a competitive advantage to other teams or to um, other companies. And so without having somebody to catch your administrative burden, what happens is that your energy is constantly drained. You are constantly multitasking. So I would say that at this stage of the world where we're at, of how business operations are run and what access all other types of entrepreneurs have to assistance, we have to find our path to delegation. And delegation can look different for different people, but absolutely every entrepreneur has to be delegating in some way to an assistant. Okay. In terms of, like you said, at this state of the world, is that kind of like post-COVID that things have really kind of picked up in that uh, virtual assistant world or was it pretty big before that as well? The, the virtual assistant space has been growing, I would say, you know, for the last 20 years, but it's something that is becoming more and more commonly understood that you need an assistant. So for example, when we started seven years ago, we had to do a lot of explanation for people of what can an, a virtual assistant do and why do you need uh, an assistant? And, and we were pretty early on in you know, entering the market um, and still before us, right? There was 10, 13 years of just people learning to leverage. So at, when I say that, for sure, COVID accelerated things 100%. We no longer have to explain to people that you can have somebody complete many different things virtually. So that was the benefit of COVID within our industry. But I would also say that it's the awareness of entrepreneurs, what has come into their awareness. They a lot more now know that they have to delegate, a lot more have assistance. So where it was like a foreign concept before and it was something that 
a smaller portion of entrepreneurs had, you are now dealing in a world where most entrepreneurs understand and have assistance. And if you, you are now becoming the, if you are somebody that's not delegating, you're kind of like now in the minority of entrepreneurs that isn't. Whereas before you were in the majority, many people didn't know how to leverage and use assistance. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah. I heard something similar. You said on another podcast, it was, if you don't have an assistant, you are the assistant. And I, I laughed a little bit at that when I heard that. I thought that was great. Um, so you obviously had a lot of experience working in the personal assistant space and then chief of staff prior to starting Chatterboss, but yeah, where did the idea come from for starting Chatterboss? So I worked as an assistant. Yes. And when I was inside of that role, what I imagined that role to be was that it was a one-to-one relationship. So, you know, you, let's say you bring me in and, you know, I'm your dedicated uh, person. Um, What I ended up seeing was a completely different world. So what I imagined the personal and executive assistant and the chief of staff role to be was completely different once I got into it. And I was really inspired because I realized how much leverage these high net worth individuals, these celebrities got from leveraging an assistant team. So I was never the only assistant on the team. There was always two, three, four, five of us. And we got an opportunity to collaborate with each other, lean on each other for strengths. And it was fascinating and inspired me. And I imagined I always had a love for business. I always had an entrepreneurial spirit. And I imagined like, wow, how would business owners, how delighted would they be? Not only if you paired them to an assistant, but you really taught them the high level strategies of what it looks like to benefit and leverage an assistant to the max. And so that's why, you know, you'll, you'll see that we're publishing content. We have the book. We have um, these relationship managers and delegation coaches, and we host webinars all the time because we're very education driven. This is a space that still has a lot to teach to business owners and entrepreneurs on how to utilize the most. And delegation is not something that comes naturally to most of us. It's, it's, just, it's a muscle that we have to flex. Yeah, that's actually interesting how you chat about that because... Uh, this was something I wanted to ask you as well, because I suppose you transitioned from being an assistant to yourself to, you know, now you run the successful business. I, I saw it was in the Inc. 5000 as well, which is pretty incredible as one of the yeah fastest growing companies in America. That's crazy. But yeah, I suppose you must kind of almost like switch dynamics now where you probably have to delegate a lot now yourself. So how have you found changing that, that up? And how have you found going from I guess a lot being delegated to you to now doing a lot of delegation yourself. It's a great question. And it's something that I actually struggled with in a way that I didn't imagine that I would struggle with. So for that reason, I have a lot of empathy for entrepreneurs that are coming in delegating for the first time or where they're, you know, delegating and it's not working in the way that they want, because as I was working as an assistant, when that dynamic switch came up that I am on, you know, the side of the delegator, I thought that it would come easy. I thought it would be natural, 
I thought that if I was on the receiving end, I know exactly how it should be done, but it was completely two different skills entirely. One is receiving information, setting expectations, uh, communicating certain things that you're heard. And then as the person delegating, you it's like the flip side of all of those skills, but it's different. And I hadn't realized that it, it, it would be hard and painful and that I would stumble uh, so much in that space. And so when I write Delegation Nation, it's from the perspective both of entrepreneurs and business owners who are doing the delegating and assistants that are being delegated to and emerging that perspective. I, for me, it was very important to create something where I could show to both sides how to keep empathy for each other um, because it doesn't it doesn't always come naturally even from those of us who have worn both hats we need a little bit of guidance and tactics and uh, and and information on how to do it right yeah i definitely fall in that category where i uh, i'm not a very good delegator that's why yeah i really loved your book as well and i think as you said that's what really surprised me about your book actually was when I when I started reading it, I, I was like, okay, I need to get better at delegating and how I manage that. But you wrote the book from both perspectives. It was almost like I'm writing this for the virtual assistant and for the entrepreneur so mm -hmm. they can kind of both come to this mutual understanding and agreement of how to best do this this delegation process. And yeah, I really, I really loved that. But yeah, where, where did the idea come from for writing the book because I suppose you would have been a few years into the chatterboss journey then but wh where did the idea come from it's funny because the book was in my head for so long uh, probably from the very early stages of the business it took me a very long time to get it out of my head I always knew that I had to write this rubric and mostly it was important for me because it helped me understand my own thought process. So we work a lot with entrepreneurs and a lot of the times they will say things like, this is very, or maybe they won't say it, but they will express the sentiment that something that they're doing is not delegatable because only they know how to do it and they have a hard time explaining the, the instructions, the directions of what they want. So they really get stuck in that particular area. And so I found that as well, you know, when I was doing sales and when I was doing client success work, uh, when I was doing hiring, right, when you're in the beginning stages of your business and you're doing everything, it really felt for me like I have some kind of a secret sauce in my head and no one can replicate it. And if no one can replicate it, I cannot grow and I have to hold all of these functions. And I myself had a very hard time letting go of these, uh, you know, different um, functions of the business. And it was a way of when I started to write the book early on, it took me about four years, right? It's not a very long book, <laughs> but it took a very long time. And it, I think it was my way of getting that information out of my head and showing to myself there is a rubric. And when I can show it to myself, 
I now can teach others, but not just on delegation, but I, what I now know is that whatever it is, that's like your intuition, the thing that like you learned for 10 years and now you're really good, you can document it. And that kind of bleeds into what do assistants do? Assistants need to extract and write standard operating procedures. So, you know, there is like some uh, similarity between writing a book and writing an SOP essentially um, for, for some of the work that you're doing and some of the knowledge that you have in your head. Yeah, that, that would have been a pretty interesting process. How, how did you find like writing a book? Like that's almost like a whole another career path in itself from a, from a business owner. Like, was it pretty different? Did you find it really difficult or did it come really naturally just writing it out? I found the process very difficult for me. I had to delegate a lot throughout that journey because right I have ideas and I have stories but the ability to write them clearly is something that's hard and so I worked with a number of different individuals that had to extract the information from my head and help me organize it uh, specifically. So, you know, and that in and of itself, when you're delegating something that you, and I write about this in the book, when you're delegating something that you don't have a strength in, it's really hard. So I'm delegating to somebody or I'm getting parts of this project done by other people, but I don't know how to do it myself. That creates a lot of fear. A lot of entrepreneurs and executives get stuck when we're trying to hand something off that we don't actually know how to do. So for example, you know, with your background in development, right? You are, there are certain things that are so natural and intuitive and, you know, you're an expert in that space. If you, and you must have stories about when you're working with clients that have zero strength or understanding in that area. How, besides the fact that it is hard to articulate what you want, there's also an extra layer of fear and mistrust because I cannot check your work, right? If I ask you to, you know, build me something, I actually can't know if on the back end it's, you know, it's sound, if it's going to fall apart tomorrow. So we all experience that. And I definitely experience that as part of like the book writing process where, I had fear come up. I had, you know, this like anxiety come up. I had mistrust come up. I would question the people that I'm working with. Right. And that was just really a projection of how I am feeling about the journey itself. But I was very fortunate that the the individuals that I worked with gave me a lot of grace and were really amazing professionals. And it was also part of, you know, what, what gave me more concepts for the book as well. Right. Like I had to fall a few times when writing the book. <laughs> yeah, that's that's so interesting that you actually you mentioned that about like the the fear and um, you had to fall a few times because I think one of the things I really admired just about researching your journey and watched a couple of podcasts that you did is you threw yourself into all these different areas. Like there was this actually there was this quote. I'll just quickly read it off for context for the question. You wrote it in your book. It was, my journey from personal assistant to chatterboss founder feels like I followed a well-laid-out plan. 
In hindsight, that is. When I look back, I can see how everything fits together, all of my experiences informing who I am. And I guess, yeah, just just one of the things that kind of stood out from your journey was, yeah, you weren't afraid of, of trying new things. Like I know some people, you know, they study accounting when they're 18 and then they retire at 70 and they're still an accountant. But you, you know, you went, I heard like, you wanted to be an advertising executive and then you were an assistant to celebrities and then you've founded a, a company and then you've written a book. Like it's just, it's incredible like how you've thrown yourself into all these different things. So I was just curious to ask like, yeah, you know, where did this, I guess, curiosity or, or willingness to kind of throw yourself into all these different areas come from? I love this question and probably the, the the truth is that it's a little bit of getting bored very quickly and having this uh, personality. Lots of entrepreneurs that we work with will describe themselves in this way that a project, it, they find it hard for any project to keep their attention for a long period of time. They're always chasing some kind of adrenaline. Uh, they're always chasing uh, something new. Uh, they're always chasing a bigger and bigger goal. Uh, in my case, I'll also have a hard time even slowing down to appreciate how far I've gone somewhere. Like I'll, I'll, you know, I'll be like, okay, well, the book is done, and now is like this, you know, what, what next? And I, I. I there's so many of us like this by nature and we can either let that kind of destroy us because we're going to be all over the place, jumping from thing to thing, uh, not having any consistency. And so then we won't see any results. So this kind of a personality in and of itself uh, can be a detriment to success. However, very early on with Chatterboss, I promised myself that I'm going to be in it for the long term and it's something that is fun and interesting for me to do, but I always need side projects without a side project. I become very bored. I, I become, um, I, I become unmotivated, but I found myself wanting to do projects like completely unrelated to the company. And I had to say to myself, you're allowed side projects a certain amount a year, but they have to directly benefit Chatterboss. And so, you know, we opened up a recruiting arm that works really nicely with our branding, with what we do. It's completely in line. Um, you know, so we hire for personal executive assistants and chiefs of staff works very nicely. So it gave me an outlet for, uh, for a side project, but really benefited the company. And so I've really had to limit myself because sometimes I'm like, I'm going to do this. And it's like, <laughs> has nothing to do with anything. Right. I love that. I feel like that's such an awesome, you know, character trait to have. I feel like I want to develop much more of that, of having that. Like, I think I read in the book, you know, you trained for eight months to, to run a marathon. I was like, wow, that's incredible. Um, but yeah, what's, what's your next side project that you want to work on? Or is that secret? No need to share if it's secret, but. It's, it, it, it's not a secret. It's a project that I am the most excited about. I have um, been wanting to take on this project uh, for many, many years. And um, I'm, I'm very excited to start the year with this project. And 
the project is motherhood. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> um, so I'm having a baby in January and I feel so much more focus and clarity as I am in this journey kind of preparing, you know, for, for this next transition. And I, I really feel that it will bring I used to think when I was younger, when you are distracted by, you know, family life, then um, you are distracted from your business. But actually when I'm watching today, entrepreneurs, like the entrepreneurs that, you know, we support that we partner with the most successful ones, like the more children they have, the more successful they become. And I think, wow, I think it's, um, I think it's, Dan Sullivan says it in his book that for most entrepreneurs, the way that we're wired, uh, we need uh, limitations. So if I can work seven days a week, 24 seven, I'm actually not as productive as I would be if I limited myself to having to do all of that work in a three day work week. So he says, even if you don't have real limitations, say to yourself, I'm only going to work three days a week and see what happens. And you become more productive in those three days than if you were to spread it out over the week. And that's what I, th that's what I've seen. Um, you know, like four or five kids is like the sweet spot for <laughs> ultimate delegation, um, ultimate, uh, prioritization. I find those people just really, uh, know, uh, what their time is worth and, what's the most important thing versus if you're like a, a workaholic and you're also like love your business, your business is your hobby. You could just tinker in it all day long without kind of any real objectives, which is like a lot of what I have been doing, right? I could stay up until midnight doing random things. Are they <laughs> useful? Not necessarily, but it's fun for me. And so I'm, 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 I'm very interested in, in, in what happens next, but uh, but yes, very much looking forward to this project. <laughs> yeah, I imagine that's going to be a very exciting project. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so before I switch gears into the final uh, segment, I wanted to ask you one more question. Yeah, so I guess you've had it, you know, had a pretty illustrious career and you've done all these amazing things across, you know, being an assistant to, to founding a business and authoring a book and, and all these different experiences. What would be some life lessons or some advice you feel like you've learned across all these different things that you you would love to pass on to someone who might be you know 20 or late 20s what would be like one piece of advice or a life lesson you've learned from that my favorite piece of advice if i could go back and talk to my younger self is that by the time you're in your early you know, twenties and like, that is the time that you start your, your business, right? I started Chatterboss when I was 26 and, you know, I, I looked at all of the entrepreneurs and business owners around me who were older and like in their next stages. And I felt like they really know the answer. And I was very hungry to get, you know, as much information as I could, which I would say that's valuable. So you want, you always want to find mentors wherever you go. You know, somebody's ahead of you a few steps in a career or in a project. You want to learn and leverage like their experience. But 
I, in the beginning stages, felt extremely overwhelmed. I was speaking to really smart people. They were giving me really good advice. And the advice is often contradictory to one another. Like what one advisor is going to tell you is completely different from what another is going to tell you. And I found it so overwhelming to try and consolidate everything um, because I really wanted to leverage this smart information that people are giving me. And I had to really allow myself to absorb the information, but then um, not be taken over by it and still lead with my own intuition. Because sometimes people would not just tell me advice that's contradictory to what I've heard from others. It's contradictory to what I believe. And a lot of the times when you do ask for advice, people are inadvertently going to, there is going to be some positive to it. And then some of it is going to be like, that's going to be really hard for you. I don't think that that's going to work. And in the beginning stages of starting a business, you need like an overwhelming amount of positivity, right? And you almost have to shut that down immediately because a single idea that you could fail is, you know, starts to um, really bring you down. You're already wondering whether or not you can do it. And so hype yourself up, believe that you can do it. And it's a, like, I, and I will say a hundred percent, if you have decided on an idea and it came to you, you're the owner of the idea, you're the right one for the idea, you could absolutely make it happen. And your biggest, um, the biggest setback that you can have is allowing the inner voice to say, I can't do it, don't start, don't bother. You got the idea, you have to keep going and you have to see what comes out on the other side. And you really have to tell yourself that you will succeed and then you will. That's awesome. Wow. I love that. I feel very inspired after hearing that. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I wanted to, to kick off into the, the final segment. It's a, a speed round of four fun questions just to have a bit of fun and get to know you a bit better. So the first question is, what's one of your favorite books? Oh, my favorite book in the business realm is rocket fuel and so it was the business model it, it was the book model the delegation nation was built on it talks about entrepreneurs and integrators it's amazing so if, if you know the topic of delegation nation is interesting to you rocket fuel by gina wickman is a, a, a really really good one to read okay i'm going to add that to the book list to read next um the next question is what is one of your favorite movies you know, I'm so bad with movies. I fall asleep in movies all the time. Oh, um, no. <laughs> Sorry, um, I've put you on the spot here. No, I, I should have sent this to you earlier. No, I have a favorite movie in there somewhere, right? Maybe Forrest Gump. You know, something like this. I haven't watched a good movie in a long time. You're reminding me. <laughs> <laughs> Books, yes. Movies, less. Yeah. Okay. Forrest Gump. That's a good one. Um, yeah. If... You could go back to any one day in your life mm. just to experience that day again uh, and relive it and experience it again. What day would you go back to? Oh, what a nice question. What a beautiful question. I think it has to be someday. You know, you know what, I, I, what I think it, it really is? 
it must be some day from childhood that was probably not like a special day. You know, it wasn't like a birthday or a big party or something, but to experience, um, you know, like a full day, you know, with with the grandparents that are no longer here, right? In the in the home that you no longer live in, uh, with that enthusiasm of a child. So I would say, you know, just kind of like any day when you're like five or six and you're with those people that you no longer have around and um, yeah, just a, just a regular day of a five, of a five-year-old. <laughs> I love that. That's an awesome answer. I love that. And then the final question, if you could have dinner with any three people, dead or alive, who would you love to have dinner with? My gosh, three Joshua. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm a massive list here. Sorry. <laughs> you know, um, it's so funny because I never had an answer to this, like not really, but I was thinking about it for some reason last night because it must have been that I thought that you're going to ask me this question. <laughs> um, and I was thinking, you know, you know what would be really interesting, you know, because people write books about their journey and like you have so much access but people that I think didn't fully write everything that's accessible is probably some uh, person that was like very spiritual or very, you know, like one of like the mystics, right? From like, you know, and, and it could be interesting, right? Like, you know, you could take like Jesus and, you know, you know, some of, you know, like the Lubavitchy Rebbe and you can take someone you know so just you know a, a few kind of uh, enlightened individuals like that to learn what do they know when they were here that made them uh, understand life in a different way and i, I think it would be if, if we're having a dinner party of three it should be three people that are representing three different possibly like religions and views uh to understand at their core did they feel the same so something like that was I was thinking about last night. So thank you. <laughs> That's an awesome answer. I love that. You kind of want a bit of, a bit of everything and be, yes. that'd be great. Thanks so much for, for coming on, Valerie. You dropped some yeah incredible wisdom, incredible value about delegation. Um, yeah, so it was really awesome. But I guess if the listeners want to go follow Chatterboss's journey or follow your journey, where would, where would be the best place for them to, to go and follow that up? Absolutely. So we're very active on LinkedIn. I, my personal LinkedIn is really open. I love to chat in there. So you can find me, Valerie Trapunsky. Um, our Chatterboss uh, LinkedIn is also very active. We also post uh, lots of information, lots of um, job openings, right? So things like that, um, you know, always very welcome. We're very active on Instagram. Uh, and of course, on our website, Chatterboss. Dot com if anyone uh, is looking for support, getting ready uh, to start uh, kicking things off, uh, we would be very excited to have a chat. Awesome. I'll put the links to all those down in the show notes below for anyone that would love to do that. So that'd be awesome. Thanks so much again, Valerie, for coming on. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs>